after service that we do exit again out this way and if we want a time of fellowship we can do so out there and while we're out there i just want to encourage us to um just keeping uh just our distance and keeping our masks on just covering uh both our nose and our mouth we do want to continue to be able to come and worship um and fellowship um but we do want to make sure we're, we're doing it in a way where uh, we're not putting one another one another at risk so welcome and if you're at home with us welcome Uh, Let's have God's word open us up to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And we'll be reading from verse 9 and 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. And when you're there, I'll ask that you please rise for the reading of God's word. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Now this is the word of the Lord, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Father God, this is our prayer, and we ask that by your word you would make our confession sure. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Uh, In A Knight's Tale, uh, the main character, William Thatcher, a poor boy, endeavors to change his stars or his status or status in life by becoming a knight. And he does this by competing in the knight tournament of jousting. And in the process, of course, he falls in love with a girl He's struck at the first sight of her, and it's that type of scene where he continues to pursue her, and what is your name? Tell me your name. A beauty like yours should have a name, and and he's seeking out her name, and of course she plays coy, avoids him, teases him, and uh, eventually reveals her name to him. And when, when William Thatcher learns her name is Jocelyn, He receives it with such joy as if it were a gift. As the movie goes on, he starts to fall deeper in love with her, and he writes this letter as he confesses it. And this is what he says. He says, I miss you like the sun misses the flower, like the sun misses the flower in the depths of winter. Hope guides me. It is what gets me through the day and especially the night, the hope that after you're gone from my sight, that it will not be the last time that I look upon you. With all the love that I possess, I remain yours, the night of your heart. I got the chills when I, when I heard that as I was watching the movie again. And sisters, go ahead, and if you're sitting next to your man, go ahead, jab him. Say, you never say that kind of stuff to me anymore. <laughs> He receives the name of this woman that he loves that was once a mystery with so much joy. And having learned her name, having fallen deeper in love with her, he confesses it, articulates it, confirms it, and draws nearer to her. Last week we looked at how faith is a gift. It's a mystery that is revealed to us by God. And today we're going to look at how faith is also then a confession 
If you recall, uh, on the road to Emmaus, we see that Jesus meets up with two men on the road, and as he's talking with them, he unfolds all of Scripture, and at this point, after the resurrection, they don't know for some reason who Jesus is. Jesus is somehow uh, keeping his identity from them, and he's teaching them and guiding them. And as they walk along the road, they finally get to a place where it's time to rest for the evening, and they have dinner, and at this point... These two men realize their eyes are open, Luke 24 tells us, and they recognize him as Jesus, the Christ. They say to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And so we see these two men having their eyes opened to who Jesus is as the Christ, are amazed and baffled and confess that our hearts not burn when he opened up the scriptures to us. A similar account, a different road, road to Damascus. We see Saul, who we know as the Apostle Paul. We see Saul is blinded. And he meets a man, Ananias, who has been instructed to meet Saul and, and to tend to him so that his eyes would open in such a way it wouldn't just be physical, but also spiritual. So we see Paul, who was once Saul, has his eyes opened, his spiritual eyes opened as well, to recognize and see that Jesus is the Christ. Acts 9 tells us, and immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, meaning he was confirmed and he even confessed. And taking food, he was strengthened. So as we continue in our series of faith, last week we looked at how faith is something that God gives to us. He reveals it. He opens our eyes. And upon doing so, in faith, we respond by confessing what we believe, confessing that revelation of God in Christ Jesus. So then it has to be stated that we only believe because God chose to reveal himself to us in Jesus Christ, to be our Lord and our Savior. So then our text at hand, verse 9 through 10, tells us this. If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. So how do we receive justification, salvation? Well, we're told that we must confess and believe. So in verse 9, it says, If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And one thing I want us to understand is that here, mouth and heart are not contradicting one another, nor are they acting as two separate agents. The mouth and the heart are acting as one they are, they are confessing in such a way, they are receiving and they are affirming that Jesus is Lord. If you look with me here on the screen in Philippians 2, we see something very similar. It says, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Similarly here in Philippians 2, the tongue and the knee although they're two different parts, are acting in unison in one to affirm and confess 
that Jesus is Lord. And so we see here that having seen Christ, having received His Word, having been awakened to who Jesus really is as Lord and Savior, we respond now with mouth, with hearts, with, with all that we are, that He is Lord, that He is Lord over our life. Now, our text continues that we don't just believe that Jesus is Lord, but this aspect of His Lordship is grounded on that He is like God, He is, he is God, He is the second person of the Trinity, that this God in the form of man came down, He lived a life that you and I could not live of perfect obedience, died the death that we should have, and was raised again so that our salvation, our justification would be secured and our sins would be washed away. That God raised Him from the dead, that aspect of Him being raised from the dead literally is at the centerpiece of our good news. Again, that Jesus didn't simply have victory where Adam failed in the garden. That Jesus simply didn't have victory in Israel's failures in all the laws and statutes. That he simply didn't have victory in the failures of our lives. But that he indeed lived a perfect life of obedience that you and I could not. That he died as the sacrificial lamb. But at the pinnacle of this good news is that on the third day, He was raised for our justification. Romans 4, look with me on the screen. Romans 4, it says, But for ours also it will be counted to us who believe in Him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. And so we see here that the confession that we make with heart, with mouth, with all of our being, is that Jesus is Lord, and that this Lord that we believe in and trust in has been raised from the dead after he made the payment of our ransom. That he was raised for you and I. That we receive a personal justification and vindication through his love and his sacrifice. So then Romans 10 tells us, if we confess with our mouth, believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him, then we will be saved. It's so simple. Evangelism is hard, right? Praying for loved ones, family, friends, it's difficult. But the good news, the message of salvation and the way we receive it is so simple. It's to affirm and to confess that Jesus is Lord, that he died for my sins, that he loves me. But I want to continue to draw out here the importance of the resurrection, right? That Jesus isn't someone that just loves us. Jesus isn't someone that just cares for us or that we call out to or guides us. He is all those things, but he is our Savior who died for us and then was raised So that all that he has done is then applied to you and I. Look with me in 2 Timothy 2, 
Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as priest in my gospel. As the Apostle Paul pens this letter, he, he summarizes the gospel, the good news, with remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Or in 1 Corinthians 15, and if Jesus had not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. And so, so confession of faith is, is to affirm that Jesus is our Lord and he is the one who has died for us and who was raised in power. And this is for the Spirit. By uniting you and I to Jesus applies all that he has accomplished to us. So what about doubt of surely in the midst of us confessing our faith, in the midst of us affirming what we believe, there are times in our lives where our faith can be shaken, our spirit is weakened and and doubt can creep in. I want to draw our attention to Mark 9. It's not up there, but uh, it's the story where the father brings his son to Jesus to be healed. The son is mute, and it seems as though he is... uh, possessed by a spirit who, who leads him into convulsions or having seizures. And, and this man comes to Jesus and he, and he says um, that, and he asks Jesus, you know, to heal him. And he says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus turns it around and he says, if you can, if you can, meaning if, if you can believe that I am the Christ. If, if you can believe and confess that I can do more than just simply heal your son, then you will know that all things are possible for the one who believes. And it's, and it's, and it's such a tough statement because a lot of times we are ridden by guilt and in our weakness we're discouraged because even though we do confess our faith, even though as we live our lives we affirm what we believe about Jesus, as it's tested, we, we have doubts. And so then we respond much like this father here who responds to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. And we'll talk more in depth in the coming weeks about faith and doubt and how they interact. But briefly, I want to say this, that even as we confess our faith, there is room for doubt. There is place for doubt. And yet, at every moment, it seems that Jesus encourages and strengthens believers through those doubts. He says, if we believe in him, all things are possible. That all things are possible. If you recall in our series in Philippians, Philippians 4, look with me, it says, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Matthew 17, 20, He said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And it seems as though in the weakness of our doubting and our faithlessness that Christ reminds us once more that even when we are weak and even when we cry out, I believe, but help my unbelief, that our strength, our security, our assurance, 
The, the, the seal of our confession is not by our lips, but by the very fact that Christ holds it secure. That we can do all things in faith through Him who gives us strength. That nothing is impossible as we confess and believe and cling on to and faithfully daily hold on to Him. The power and ability to do all things doesn't come from our own strength, but by the simple confession that Jesus is our strength. Our faith does not depend on the one believing or hoping, but faith depends on the object of that faith, Jesus. We are assured in God's word today that if we confess and believe that Jesus is Lord, that he was raised from the dead, that we will have salvation, that we will be justified from our sins, that our guilt and shame is no more, that death at the end of this temporal time is nothing to be feared, but that we will be saved and we will have all eternity with him. This is what we confess. This is what we confess not once at the time of baptism. This is not what we confess once in the moment of conversion. This is what we confess daily and even throughout the day as we struggle, as doubts creep in. We confess it. We believe it. We hold on to it. We hope in it. And we know that as we confess it, Christ gives us the strength to do all things. I want to give us some biblical examples of men and women who have confessed this as well. If we look, we see Peter. Look with me on the screen. In Matthew 16, uh, when Jesus asks his disciple, who do the people say I am? And then he directs it. He says, who do you say I am? In the world, They've labeled and packaged and assigned Jesus with many different attributes and personalities. But the Christian, the one who believes in Jesus, says this, as Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Nathaniel, when Jesus calls him to, be, to, to come with him, Right? He confesses something very similar. In John 1, we see the account. It says, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him, of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Nathaniel, upon meeting Jesus, he says, Do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Martha, we see Jesus comes because he's been called and beckoned. Lazarus has died and there is weeping and there is mourning. 
And Martha says to Jesus, if you had just come sooner, my brother could live. And Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then Jesus asked her, do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. In the last last example, the thief on the cross, with his last moments as he hangs next to Jesus, he turns to him and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. See, upon seeing Christ for who he is, upon knowing that he has died for our sins, that he is the one that brings the resurrection life, he is the one that wipes away our sins, he is the one that carries us through those moments, the Savior of our soul, and the proper response of faith is then to confess that he is the Son of God, that he is the Lord of Lords, He is our friend. He is our lover. And He is our most treasured and beloved as He calls us the same. Some examples that we see outside of the Bible through creeds. Brothers and sisters, why do we we say the Apostles' Creed every week? Is it a, a, a religious ritual? Would we get shunned if we didn't? Is it something that we've made good habit of? No, it's a conscious affirmation that strengthens us, that gives us a resolve after a week of laboring in our thoughts, with our hands, on our feet, after a week of working and parenting and studying and receiving emails and grades and judgments, That what we believe in Christ Jesus defines who we are inside and out. We say it every week because in the midst of our doubts and the struggle, it affirms us once more. Some practical ways to grow in the ways that we can confess what we believe. Um, Read the Westminster Confession of Faith. Uh, there are newer versions, I believe, where the language isn't as archaic or old. And we've done this with our officers' training, and it's been such an encouragement to read what scholars and pastors, what weak people in the faith have, have thoughtfully, prayerfully mustered up in words to articulate what we believe so that as we read through it, as we affirm it, our faith would be strengthened once more. I want us to look at uh, chapter 8, article 8 here. And it says this, it says, To all those for whom Christ hath purchased redemption, he doth certainly and effectually apply and communicate the same, making intercession for them and revealing unto them in and by the word the mysteries of salvation. 
effectually persuading them by His Spirit to believe and obey and governing their hearts by His Word and Spirit, overcoming all their enemies by His almighty power and wisdom in such a manner and ways as are most consonant to His wonderful and unsearchable dispensation. This part of the confession of faith reminds us that not only are we saved and redeemed by Christ, the living word, but it's by the living word that Christ continues to strengthen us in the midst of all the enemy's arrows. That in his wisdom and in his power, he keeps us. He is wonderful in his wisdom and his power is good to us. And lastly, I'd like to draw our attention to one of my favorite portions of the Heidelberg Catechism, and I'll actually ask us to read this together. The Heidelberg Catechism, question one, answer one. The question is this, and if I could ask us to read in one voice. The question is, uh, what is thy only comfort in life and death? Read this together. That I, with body and soul, both in life and death, am not my own, but belong unto my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who with his precious blood has fully satisfied for all my sins and delivered me from all the power of the devil and so preserves me that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Yeah, that all things must be subservient to my salvation. And therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me sincerely willing and ready henceforth to live unto him. Brothers and sisters, may we make our confession sure throughout the day, throughout the weeks, throughout the years of our lives. And I want to encourage us once more that this isn't something that we just do once in a lifetime or on special occasions. But as we deep, dig deep in God's Word, as we dig deep in prayer, that, that it is the power of the Holy Spirit that strengthens our faith, that strengthens our confession, that makes it more sure and pure as we wait for Jesus to return. Are you struggling in your faith today? Are you struggling in your confession? Are you crying out, I believe, help my unbelief? Then would you spend time this week in prayer and in word? Would you spend time in the confession of faith or the Heidelberg Catechism and read it, digest it, and have it point you back to the Lord? It's his assurance, it's his grace, his kindness, his mercy that makes our confession sure. Will you join with me in prayer?